Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Adam Harrison is a physician, a non-practicing lawyer, a medical educator, medical rector, and life career leadership and executive coach. He lives in New Zealand with his wife, who is a maxillofacial surgeon. He has gone through burnout at least twice in his career and now has a special interest and expertise in career transitioners, doctors burning out, and doctors being bullied. His main mission is to help doctors and other professionals who feel they are suffering the effects of working in a toxic environment to develop the skills to successfully deal with their situation so they can be happier and more successful at work. Welcome, Adam. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Kristen. Appreciate it. So I can't wait to learn about you because you're like on the other side of the world, which is very exciting. So when it comes to imposter syndrome, where do you want to start? Um, Well, obviously, I was thinking about this in in advance of our chat. And I think uh, I've I've had it most of my life, to be honest, since since my school days, my my high school days, um, honestly. Um, I... uh, and and sort of thinking of the 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 roots the root cause of it um you know i um i come from a a pretty modest family you know um a kind of working class um working class background no no professionals in the family um you know i was the first person to go to university in the family and um i you know i was blessed with a a brain a half decent brain you know and uh uh so I passed an exam to get into a, a selective school in, in the UK uh, when I was 11. But uh, a lot of the, the kids there, their parents were doctors or lawyers or teachers or, you know, whatever. And um, so I think I, I almost felt a bit out of my depth, even from an early age, you know, from the age of 11. And I think that's a, a thread that maybe has run through my life is that I, I uh, can't help comparing myself to <clears throat> to to other people and you know their their achievements and and so on and this this horrible thing of um comparitis or comparisonitis depending on where you're from you know is is probably what has caused me to have a, a lot of my imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. When do you think you realize that that you remember for the first time like looking back and realizing wow this has been like a lifelong struggle for me? Um Honestly, I think I, I think I realized, um, <clears throat> me, quite early on, uh, maybe when, uh, that kind of junction of, um, high school and university, because I, I know, I know in the States you guys do uh, college degree first, but we go straight from, uh, school at the age of 18 to, uh, uni or med school or wherever, wherever it is you're going. And, uh, I, uh, didn't, you know, do as well as some of my um, my colleagues who were also going to <clears throat> medical school, but I I knew that their parents were quite wealthy and that they had had tutors to to excel in the exams, the kind of pre um, med school exams. So uh, I, I just I guess I kind of rationalised it with myself then um, that you know I we couldn't afford for me to have tutors. I didn't have the advantages that some of the other um, students had, you know. Um, but I, I guess then, um, you know, I went off to medical school and, and that's a whole, that's just, you, you'll, you'll remember yourself. That's a whole new ball game. There's, you know, lots of, 
really clever people there, lots of really wealthy people there. And I was um, neither of those um, in neither of those camps. So uh, yeah, I, I, it just kind of hit me again then, but I, I guess I've um, been analyzing it more over the last couple of years. You know, I, I was first coached uh, three years ago um, and then so the whole world of coaching was really opened up to me and I and I guess I've been helping doctors now for a couple of years and mm-hmm. uh, you know these themes keep coming up and um, you know you learn you learn about imposter syndrome and um, it really makes you you realize you analyze yourself I think when you're hearing it a lot from other people so mm-hmm. it's it's kind of been uh, you know, in my face for the last couple of years. So uh, I've I've been doing a lot more reflecting on it since then. Yeah. So what was it that you kept you going? You know, because you, you have, you know, the, the career, you have a lot of different paths that you've taken, um, which I'd love to talk about. So what kept you going to continue to do all the schooling, all the training when you were feeling that a little bit out of place? Um, I, I guess, um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I was listening to, um, some of your other interviews and, um, the, the one with Dr. Uh, Michelle Dang and, and she was talking about, um, you know, this almost, you know, I don't know whether it was deliberate or, or, um, you know, intentional, but it, it seemed to have a kindly, um, reason for her parents putting pressure on her to go into a, a profession like medicine, um, I didn't, I didn't really have any of that, you know, um, mm. I didn't have any of that pressure to, uh, to live up to. So I guess in, uh, I think I just put a lot of pressure on myself, an awful mm. lot of pressure on myself, um, not, not to fail. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I failed lots of exams in my life. Um, and I failed some pretty early on at, at medical school. And I remember one summer before some reset exams, um, just kind of sitting there. I mean, I was what, 19 or 20 or something at the time. And I was just sitting there with this, uh, you know, molecular biology and genetics uh, notes in front of me thinking, actually, if I, this is my last chance, if I don't pass this exam, they're going to, they're going to kick me out of medical school, you know, and it, it, it was like a, a real kick up the backside. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just, I, I guess I just, it was one of the first epiphanies that I'd had in my life where it's like, actually, I do want to be a doctor. Um, you know, so, and, and, I, and I guess having that early on a medical school kind of saw me, saw me through. Um, and I, and I, th- I think some of it is also resilience. I think I have a, I don't know where it, where it has come from, but I think I have a decent amount of resilience, you know, and, and through my life without even knowing about it, you know, because, you know, as, as coaches, um, you know, we, um, you know, we know about growth mindset and, and um, those sort of concepts now. Um, but hadn't really heard of it at the time, you know, in the, in, in the early two thousands, you know, mm-hmm. or the late nineties. Um, but I, I guess, I, I guess I've had um, a growth mindset throughout my um, studies and my professional careers. You know, I've, I've always thought if I was interested in something, I would just pursue it. You know, I just mm-hmm. kind of go for it. And uh, um, you know, and it's, it, it hasn't always been a smooth road by, by any stretch, even when, when I was, um, studying law as a mature student, you know, and I, I, um, did my bar exams in sort of 2013, 2014. Um, and I, I, I failed one of those. My, my, um, my wife was, um, 
heavily pregnant with our first child at the time and uh she was a, she's a surgeon and she was in full on full on nesting mode and mm-hmm. she was putting some wardrobes up in the uh, in the bedroom above our study and then all of a sudden i heard this enormous kind of clatter and all these sh- shelves had fallen down and kind of hit oh hit a bump she was fine she was completely fine and, and uh, baby was completely fine um but it just i just kind of thought gosh you know i i uh, i can't I can't concentrate on studying, you know, for these mm-hmm. uh, tough exams at the same time as uh, my, my wife's in, in crazy nesting mode and, and, and distracting me like this. So I just, you know, I, it, it didn't, it didn't go well, but it's, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, I, I guess even then I realized, well, um, what, yeah, what's the worst that can happen? You just, you just do it again. Don't you, you know, um, unfortunately at med school and law school, they often have this thing that you can only do these exams a couple of times. So there is yeah. a bit of pressure. Yeah. on you when you have to do it for the second time but uh, I'm, I'm quite good at, at rising to those challenges um, and, and I guess that's something that's that's innate but it's uh, something I do try to to help my clients with you know with the, the resilience mm-hmm. side of things. Um, yeah and I think you bring up a really good point that um, putting things in perspective which I think in medicine, it's hard for us to do sometimes because everything does feel like this is the end of our, this is either we pass this test or we're going to get kicked out or we're not worthy of being a physician. And it always feels like that sense of severity. And I think that people really do better and enjoy their journey more when they have the appropriate perception of it like you did like this is a test it doesn't have anything to do with my value and I think that that was really what I struggled with a lot is that I thought every grade had to do it was directly related to how much I was worth as a human being and as a physician and I think when we can separate those things and really like ask ourselves, what does it really mean to fail oral boards or an exam? And we realize that it has nothing to do with who we are as a human being, then it takes the pressure off, which is ultimately how you're going to do better when you don't have that, you know, that pressure on yourself. And I love that you mentioned the growth mindset thing too, or in having this like beginner's mind, because I think that's something that physicians, especially you know, once you're through medical school and residency and you're so, you're so used to just studying and just being a doctor that you forget to try new things and it's okay to mess up and it's okay to be new at something again. And when you can cultivate that beginner's mindset, it helps you to kind of build up the growth mindset muscle where it's okay to learn and skills can be cultivated. And if you make an error, it's not a big deal. It's a lesson that you can learn. Um, but there's a tremendous, there's tremendous value in that in medicine that I think many doctors struggle with. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I've, I've, I've fallen over so many hurdles in, in my career, but uh, I, I, I keep um, kind of going back to my wife's mantra, which is everything happens for a reason. And, you know, I, I, I look back and, you know, I didn't get on the surgical training program that I wanted to, you know, and uh, so that didn't that didn't really pan out uh, in the way that I'd hoped. I didn't get through my surgical exams, my postgraduate surgical exams. Um, and then I went into family medicine and uh, I thought it would be right for me. But it 
it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much as I'd hoped I would. And then I, um, you know, I went down the legal route and uh, decided not to practice as a lawyer because, uh, you know, there was a big salary cut and I'd have been away a lot and away from my, my wife and, and young baby. And, um, and all these things have happened. And, and, but the law degree got me into medical leadership roles inadvertently. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was coached. I received some leadership coaching. And if it hadn't been for that, uh, I wouldn't be a coach now. And so absolutely everything that's happened to me has just been part of my journey and led me to where I am now. And I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled to, to be a coach and to be able to help doctor, fellow doctors, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if all had gone swimmingly uh, in my career early on and I'd ended up being a surgeon, I could be a really unhappy and miserable uh, you know, burnt out surgeon now. Um, but I'm not. I love that. I love that you bring this up because it's so true for everybody. If we just put on the, that lens, because the truth, the fact of the matter is life is going to happen and there's a little bit we have control over, but most we don't. And if we can just decide to assume that whatever happens in our lives happens for us, which I think I heard originally from Tony Robbins, but it's so true because even if like the worst possible thing happens, you can always just decide to say, I don't know what this means yet, but it's for me. And it's going to something, it's going to eventually I'll, it'll, I'll figure out why this happened. And I was able to kind of, you know, do that retrospectively and look back and say, Oh, you know, my first marriage ending in divorce. And then, you know, that my struggle as a physician, as an, as an early career physician and all of these little things have really, it all makes sense now looking back similar to what you said. It's like, Oh, of course, all of those things had to happen as painful as they were. And it helps me a lot, even looking forward. And I don't know if, if you, if you, do this at all either but like because I have a lot of I love to worry I worry about anything I can worry about I'll worry about it (laughs) so I'll even go to the extreme and saying like when I worry about something like really like catastrophic happening with my husband or my or my family I really will say that to myself like whatever happens what or has happened is for me and it all it always helps me to put that perspective on it and you could decide that everything that the world is against you and everything sucks but it's not going to feel great <laughs> or you can just decide that everything's for you and you're going to grow yeah yeah um i was actually listening to your um your your gratitude uh, and imposter syndrome mm-hmm. um podcast the, the the recent one and um you know kind of uh re- reframing you know what what you've said uh, in terms of you know you kind of catastrophize over things but actually if you flip that on its head and so well actually these things haven't happened I'm really I'm really grateful for the fact that you know my other half hasn't been in a car accident and and just and just these, these things that you've you you talk about in that in that episode you know I'm grateful for the fact that I can see I'm grateful for the fact that I have my my faculties and you know I, I yeah. you know my four limbs work and th- you know just kind of actually really basic but really really important things yeah um are 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 the things that kind of you know help you get get through in the future i think Uh, yeah that's a great perspective i really like that it's just everything that you worry about you just (laughs) say that you're grateful for that it hasn't happened yet and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but that's i'm going to use that 
thank you. It's <laughs> good. <laughs> well, I thought your podcast on that was excellent, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about what you're doing these days and what comes up most for your clients in, I guess, in a, you know, privacy protected kind of professional way. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, um, I mean, I'm, I'm working with um, a variety of doctors, as as you said uh, at the beginning, I'm, I'm on the other side of the world. So we're currently in New Zealand, having uh, uh, spent uh, a year and a half in Australia uh, for my wife's fellowship, and now she's uh, an attending here. Um, but we're, we're British, and we're, we're going back to the UK in, in the summer. But uh, I have uh, yeah, doctor clients from all over the world. I've got some local New Zealand clients, some Australians, um, American clients and uh, some British ones. And uh, yeah, I just work with them on the whole gamut of uh, issues that uh, the doctors have, um, you know, so uh, imposter syndrome stuff and perfectionism and career stuff and, um, you know, kind of working in dealing with working in toxic environments. I think something I've uh, developed a bit of expertise in through my own experience, because I was, um, I was bullied a lot as a junior doctor uh, by my um, attendings um, in various specialties. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, um, when we were in Australia last year, I was tutoring um, some local indigenous medical students. And um, one of them had had a, a really awful experience on on the ward on her first ever clinical placement um, as a clinical student um, from one of the attendings there. And she came to me for, for some advice and it just brought everything kind of flooding back to me. So um, I, it made me really reflect on the experiences that I had and, and it, it just doesn't seem to be, I mean, for me, this was what, 13, 13 to 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of working um, for these um, toxic medical leaders who uh, will have no qualms about shaming you in public, you know, and belittling you in public um, and um, just making you feel pretty worthless, really. And, you know, huge, huge driver for imposter syndrome there. Um, it just made me think that, you know, that's, that's an area that I want to, to niche into to help doctors who uh, are suffering the you know, adverse effects of working in toxic environments. Um, you know, I use, I use the word bullied uh, a lot. I, I, I think um, it's not so commonly used in the States, um, the, you know, the feedback I'm, I'm getting, but it's, it's the same kind of thing, really, you know, mm -hmm. um, being made to feel uh, like you're, you know, you're a, you're a second class, a second class doctor, um, mm -hmm. you know, you know, and we're, we're all human and we all make errors. And these people who are, who are behaving like that have made the same kind of errors, but for some reason they, they forget that, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, um, you know, instead of being supportive of their juniors, when, when mistakes happen, they, um, they come down really hard on them. Um, and, there's, there's lots of things that can come out of that, um, apart from imposter syndrome, you know, uh, doctors moving forward, having problems with, with conflict, you know, not being very shy of conflict and mm -hmm. um, you know, being, um, just feeling um, that uh, they can't uh, just even raise, raise their concerns at all. You know, they just have to, to put up with it and shut up and that leads to burnout and depression and things like that. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I feel that's my calling, to be honest, and the universe has, 
has given me a few nudges in that direction. So mm-hmm. I do I do general coaching, but I also work with uh, doctors who have find themselves in those situations. So, so anyone who's listening who is in an environment like that, I mean, can you give like maybe the first like one to three steps to take? Um, like, are there any general concepts that you help that you help people do? I think the most um, the most important thing is I think is uh, once you've sort of established that you are you know, being bullied according to whatever, whatever definition you're, you're using. And it's slightly different in different countries. Um, I know, I know, I know uh, ways to sort of establish that, I, I guess, are to speak to a trusted confidant, you know, um, maybe someone that works with you that you really trust not to say anything and just say, you know, this has happened or you witnessed this. What do you think? Do you think I'm being over the top? Am I being oversensitive? Was the, was the boss just having a bad day or, were they really getting at me? You know, mm-hmm. um, is it is it personal? Um, and get get that kind of um, perspective. And then I think once you've established that it was intentional, you know, and kind of vindictive, um, the key thing to to remember is that I mean, I've seen I've seen studies that have said upwards of eighty percent of medical students and doctors have uh, have admitted that they felt like they've been bullied. You know, so. I now use this kind of um, this this kind of concept that if you walk you're walking on the hospital corridor and you're passing your doctor colleagues all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, for every ten of those colleagues that you walk past, eight of them have been in the same situation as you. So the key thing is it is not your fault. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're not to blame. Um, it's it's unfortunately really really common. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's no shame in it. You're you know you're not alone. Um, but all of these people, these these doctors passing each other, in the co- they are all alone, aren't they? And if, if only we had this culture of being able to talk about these things, mm-hmm. we'd all be able to support one another. But, right. um, you know, in the absence of that, there are people like me that, um, that they can come to for, for support. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it, I think that's the main thing. I think people uh, personalize it. They they think it's their fault. They, they take that shame on board and they, you know, they say it's... Uh, I deserved it or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's, that's not true. That's so not true. Um, there are just some toxic and malignant people out there who get, you know, a kick out of, out of treating fellow doctors that way. And it's, um, it's, it's funny, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, you think it's, um, why a, a kind of, you know, it is it is a white male thing um, in in a lot of cases, um, but I've had uh, junior overseas trained colleagues who've been treated absolutely appallingly by attendings who were themselves overseas trained. You know, from the same part of the Indian subcontinent or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you just think, you know, instead of instead of kind of like perpetuating this this treatment, why why don't they support their their colleagues from who've come from similar situations. Yeah. It's one of those mysteries. I'm not sure I'll uh, ever solve it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a sad truth to be honest, that some people do feel the need to kind of, Oh, well I went through it. This I paid my dues and you should have to pay them Mm. kind of thing. I've had a lot of female colleagues uh, because I'm in a business uh, group with uh, a lot of female physicians and Mm. it's so common um, against female doctors. um, But they, they've told me that, you know, some of their female seniors have treated them the same way. And it's like, there's this glass ceiling. And I think they, they've kind of used the, 
the analogy that they pull the ladder up, you mm-hmm. know, um, and yeah, no one else is going to get into onto right. my floor. Right. So sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's a really important thing that you're doing um, because I think exactly what you said is it's not your fault. That's the first thing to realize is that um, other people's opinions or even their criticism really have nothing to do with you. And yeah. it's the, f- so I think when I think about, you know, uncomfortable work environments or, you know, in the OR not feeling comfortable, anything like that. I think the first step that I always, that I think is so imperative is recognizing like you are 100% worthy of the spot you have and building your own confidence. And not to say that you should, that it's, you're excusing anyone's behavior or that their behavior is appropriate. Of course not but no positive actions are going to be taken from a place of resentment or anger. So if we can look inward first and say, why is this upsetting me? What am Mm. I making their behavior mean about me and focusing on that first. And then when you can get grounded in, this is my, I am 100% valuable. This is inappropriate and then taking action from a place of self-love instead of anger and, you know, self-doubt and that kind of thing where it's like, you know, like the ego, it's like your ego is feeling bruised instead of yeah. realizing like, this is me at my core and that behavior is not appropriate. It's more of less about your ego, more about these are the boundaries and you're crossing them and standing up for yourself in that way. But I think yeah. that the, the work within yourself has to come first in order for you to really build up the boundaries and then stand up for yourself and not be worried about the consequences because ultimately um, what you do for yourself matters more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, uh, I I like that a lot that, you know, in a way you're sort of, you're personalizing the positives. Um, And on the, on the flip side of that, I always sort of say to people, you know, D, try and depersonalize the the words and the conduct that have come to you. You know, uh, it may be that they are uh, someone with a track record of, uh, of, of just being, you know, vile to, to their colleagues, but it, it may be someone who's just had a, a really bad morning. They've had a row with their spouse. They had a car crash on the way to work. They've got mental illness themselves. You know, they're going bankrupt or do you know what I mean? There, there might be, uh, there might be other reasons. And actually, so, depersonalize that side of things it's you know it's not your fault if all those other things are going on in that person's life right Um, right and it's so true like who why do we just decide that we shouldn't believe anything good and believe all the bad stuff like that's not like a law of life like you can choose to just ignore all the bad stuff and listen to all the good stuff why not (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Constantly citing Brene Brown to, to doctors these days, you yeah. know, and yesterday I was talking to, to a friend uh, who was uh, having some issues at, at work and I'm like, that's, that's just a story you're telling yourself. That's not, that's not mm-hmm. real. You're just telling us, you know, just ignore that, push it away. Don't believe it. Yeah. Replace it with something positive. Right. And that's, the, I love, I love that so much because we tell ourselves stories all the time. It's just that we think all the negative crap we tell ourselves is the truth 
and mm. everything positive is the delusional stuff but it's like you're delusional anyway you might as well be delusional yeah. and feel good and feel confident yeah. no you say you have to um it's hard to sometimes i guess override that default anthropological setting isn't it uh you yes. know uh, we, we're set to kind of yeah uh, in a self-protect you know you know kind of a warped caveman self-protective way which is so not uh, relevant these days yeah it's uh, so true the default mode is negative the default mode is imposter syndrome and i think that that's the word i'm trying to spread nowadays is imposter syndrome is like part of the human condition and if once you realize that and then break free from it it's freedom for me yeah, i think yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Awesome. Yeah. well tell tell everyone where people can find you or if they're if they are being bullied or want to reach out how can they find you uh, yeah, um, uh, please do. Um, so my email is um, uh, dr.adam at uh, coachingmentoringdoctors.com. Um, so that's all like one word, coaching, mentoring, doctors. That's the same as my Facebook page, which is just at coaching, mentoring, doctors. Um, and I use LinkedIn a lot. Uh, love, love a bit of LinkedIn. Um, I'm just Dr. Adam Harrison on there. Um, yeah, then my, my, oh, we have a clubhouse room that we recently set up. Uh, oh, nice. The club, sorry, the club is called High Performing Physician. Um, and uh, yeah, we have uh, various rooms going on in that. So please uh, follow uh, High Performing Physician. That's uh, myself and a, a, a lovely um, orthopedic uh, surgeon from Seattle, Dr. Darren Davidson, have set that up. So yeah, lots of, lots of cool stuff going on at the moment. Hopefully spread the word and help help some people. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was a joy. Oh, no, thank you for having me. No, really, genuinely really appreciate it. And lovely to talk to you and loving your podcast. Thank you so much.